Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome. My name is Rich, and uh, I get the joy and privilege of being the pastor here, and we're so glad you're here, whether it's your first Sunday ever here or your, uh, maybe your 100th Sunday. We're just as glad to have each of you here, and I, I hope that this morning you're just encouraged with worshiping and just fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's just so good to come together and put all the stuff from the week, all the craziness of life, and just go, okay, we're just going to lock in on on. Jesus and on who he is and just lift him high and I just I just love your passion and singing and energy this morning it's just been so good such a blessing I hope you know I hope you know that church is not a spectator deal it is a participant deal where you come and you just engage and you sing and you 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 let it all out and um, it doesn't matter whether it's in church or you're at a concert somewhere it's so much better when you're actually engaged you know, one of my best concert experiences ever was, um, was about probably 10 years ago now, but it was a U2 concert. And um, at the start of the concert, they did a bunch of new stuff. I didn't even know U2 had new stuff. But almost, and almost everybody there didn't know they had new stuff because we're just all sitting there. But then when they kicked into the old stuff that everybody knew, like, we are on our feet yelling with or without you. And it was, the, the whole experience just went from like way down here to like, okay, this is awesome now. Church is kind of like that in a way, too. You can either decide to, like, come and just watch. And that's fine. Like, you're, it's totally okay if you want to come and watch. We don't—there's no judgment here whatsoever. But it is so much better when you come and you engage and you declare these, these words that we're singing about who God is. And there's nobody like Him. He's a firm foundation. When you engage, you sing, you get those hands in the air. It's it, it just—there's something that happens in your soul. Something happens in your soul when you declare who God is. It's why you read all through the Psalms. What's, what's David constantly doing? He's declaring who God is. He's saying to his soul, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that's within me, bless his name. He's declaring. And I just encourage you, when you come on a Sunday, regardless of how you're feeling when you come in, switch something. Just go, okay, I'm, I'm going to declare these words. I'm going to declare who God is no matter what I'm feeling inside. And I'm telling you, you will go from a place of discouragement to being encouraged. You'll go from a place of fear to faith. You'll go from a place of anxiety and restlessness, feeling like your world is caving in on you, to a place of peace as you declare who God is. It's so good. So come and engage. Um, couple of, uh, just a question I want to ask of all of you before we dive in. You don't have to answer this out loud. What's most important to you in life? Just think about that for a second. What, what is important to you in life? Or put another way, what is, what is it that you value in life? What is it that, that, that means the most for you? For some of you in the room, the first thing that you go to is my, my family. My spouse, my kids, my parents, my uncles, aunts, grandparents, whatever. My family. I, I just value my family. For somebody else, maybe you, you pause and you just think, oh, my house. My house is pretty important to me. I've put, I've worked almost my whole life to have this house. I've invested hours and hours painting the walls and making sure all those lines are just like perfect all around the edges. And I've spent hours just giving lots of love and attention to those, those, those flowers. I was going to say dandelions, but you don't hopefully give hours of attention to dandelions. But your flowers. Somebody else, you say, maybe you're a teenager and you're like, oh, it's my friends. Like, there's nothing like knowing I've got a squad in my corner. I've got some friends. I can just FaceTime them, spend hours on our phones together. It's just been, it's so good knowing I've got some friends. I value, I value my friends. Then there's values that we have that are maybe a little less tangible. Maybe something, someone in the room values 
just feeling happy. You want to be happy in life. You, someone else, you value comfort. Maybe somebody else, if you're being honest, you're like, I really value having people like me. I value people's approval. There's so many things that, that we value. Some, some of these are obvious. Some of them, not so obvious. You know, one of the ways that you can tell, maybe you're in the room going, man, I don't really know what I value, to be honest this morning. Well, one of the ways that you can tell what you value is to think for a second, well, what is it that you have in life that if that thing was taken away from you, it would, it would devastate you? If you no, no longer had that thing or that person, whatever it might be, it'd devastate you. For me, if, if I had no longer had ice cream or caramel macchiatos, I would be going to a pretty dark place in life pretty fast. You know what I'm saying? But, but what do you value? What's, what's important? What do you treasure in life more than just about anything else? So we've been in this, this sermon series the last couple of weeks called Different. And in this series, all we're, really what we're doing is we're just, we're hanging out in this, this book in the Bible called 2 Timothy. And this is a book that was written by the Apostle Paul to his, uh, who he called his son in the faith, this guy Timothy. It's written at a very tumultuous time in history. Paul is actually writing this book from a prison cell in Rome. And as he's writing this book to, to Timothy, he's likely writing in his final days, and he's constantly encouraging Timothy to be different. He's reminding him that as a follower of Jesus, as somebody who's, who's called to lay down his life, his life will be different. It just will be. And the same goes for you and me. Of Jesus, if we expect to have our lives just kind of go along with the flow and just kind of blend in with everybody else's, we're wrong. We are called to be different. And so we've been going through each chapter of this book, four chapters. In the first week, we looked at how we, we are called to have a different faith. We're called to have a faith that's genuine, uh, not a false faith that, was, that we have just because maybe our, our parents or our grandparents said they're Christians, so we just go, oh, I'm Christian too. No, we're called to have a genuine faith, a faith that lasts, a faith that's anchored in who God is. Then last week, we looked at how we have a different calling in life. We've been called to a life of discipleship, where we're following Jesus, called to a life of sacrifice, a life of pleasing Him, and a life of holiness. We're called, all of us are called to be different. And today, we're going to look at how we have different values from the world that we live in. And what the follower of Jesus values is going to be you know, similar in some ways to the world around us, but in other ways, it's going to be drastically different than the world around us. And so we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you have a Bible or a Bible app and you want to follow along, we're going to be in verse 1. And just a little heads up before we jump in, um, this little chunk of Scripture that we're going to read is not exactly a feel-good chunk of Scripture, um, but nonetheless, it is just as important as everything else, and it's going to get us to where we're going this morning. You ready? Okay. Paul's about to issue a very stark warning to Timothy. He says, but mark this. So here's his warning. There will be terrible times in the last days. Now, sometimes people hear the last days, and the first thing they think of is, oh, that he's talking about the end of the world here. Well, a lot of times in the New Testament, the last days is simply referring to the point of uh, where Jesus finished his work, death uh, and resurrection, right until the point where he, um, his second coming. So it's that whole span. So we're living in the last days. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, 
unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. I told you it wasn't going to be a feel-good passage of Scripture. <laughs> but it's a pretty stark picture, isn't it, of just broken humanity. Um, did any of you ever play that game? Maybe some of you still do play this game. It's called Twister, and it's this game where, yes, some of you have, but it's this game where you've got these, you've got these four columns. Every column has, these, has six uh, circles in it, all four different colors, red, green, yellow, blue? Well, someone knows their Twister here. Okay, but you got all these columns, and how the game goes is somebody... Uh, you got three or four people playing, and somebody has a little spinner thing, and they spin it, and it tells you where to put your, your hand or your, your foot. And so you, you put your hand here and, or your foot on this square, and then someone else goes, and they put their foot on this square, and then someone else goes, and their hand's over here, hand's over there, foot's over there. Before you know it, everybody on this board is completely entangled together. And essentially how the game, you win the game, is the last person that's standing, um, they're, they're the champ. And I kind of felt this morning... Um, as I was getting ready for today, I felt like God was saying that today is going to be like a giant game of Twister, um, where some of you have values that are so entangled with worldly values that you can't move forward in life. Your values are so twisted with the values of this world, and you wonder why you can't have the life that Jesus calls you to. You can't have the joy that he calls you to. You, you wonder why the purposes that he has for your life, why you can't live those out. It's because you're so entangled with the values of this world that you can't move forward. And I believe what God wants to do this morning is untangle you. Last week, we read that verse that compares the life of a follower of Jesus to a soldier. And Paul wrote to Timothy, he wrote, no one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. The soldier doesn't get twisted and entangled with the, the, those things that will get in the way of their pleasing their commanding officer. If something is going to prevent them from doing the job, from living the life that they're called to live, they're just going to put that aside. They're going to avoid that. They're going to stay away from that. And if what you value in life is the same as what the world values in life, you will not be able to live the life that God has called you to live. You will be entangled like a giant game of Twister. And you need to know something. God's values are different. They are different than what the world values. What, what is important in God's eyes is different than what is important in the world's eyes. And, and what Paul is warning Timothy about here in this, this scripture that we just read, and what he's warning us about today is about getting entangled with the values of this world. And on a very general level, you could say that God values, his values are different from the world's values and that God's values are intangible. You can't see them. They're spiritual. They're eternal. Whereas worldly values tend to be things that you can see. They're things that you can touch. They're material. They're, they're temporary. So right off the bat in this text that we just read, we see that people are going to love what? They're going to love money. They're going to value money. Money is something that, that is, you can see. It's material. You can touch it. You can you get that card, that plastic, or that, that paper in your hands. Um, and as most of us are finding out in 2022, with inflation going through the roof, and with 
every asset just plummeting in value, we're finding that it's very what? Temporary. It does not last. You can have a lot of it one day and the next day it's gone. Another big value in our world that we see here is, is, is appearance. It's youthfulness and beauty. Um, you, you can just go on YouTube and see how this is a huge value in our world. There are all kinds of these, these social, experience, uh, or social experiments on YouTube that just kind of prove this over and over again. One TV program asked this attractive young woman to walk down a, a busy street, and she would ask people for change, and then she would ask them with, for some help with these books that she, she dropped, and, and people were just flocking to help her, especially young men. They're just like tripping over themselves to help this young lady out. Well, next she walked down the street, she wore a suit, one of these suits that makes you look bigger, and then she put on makeup that just downplayed her looks, and of course, this version, it was the exact same person, but the exact opposite experience. Little help, just nobody stepping in. It's this thing where we just value appearance. It's common knowledge that if you're a, a good-looking TikToker, you can do the same thing as somebody else, and you will get thousands more likes in some cases than someone who's not, maybe not as good-looking as you are. We just value beauty and appearance. The world will spend billions and billions of dollars this year on appearance. It's a value. But, but God's values are different, right? What, what, did, what did God say to David? Man looks on the outside, but where does God look? He looks, he looks on the inside. He looks on the heart. His values are different. Another big value of the world is having a great career or a successful business. The doctor or the pro athlete is going to get a whole lot more respect than the plumber or, or the farmer. People don't typically name drop farmers and plumbers, do they? No. They name drop the people that are, that are these big success stories by world standards. Another value is position. We'll give the mayor or the, the principal different treatment than the person panhandling on the side of the street, won't we? And it's, it's interesting how this, this is just not how God works. It's not how God's kingdom works. He, he, his values are different. You can read through, through uh, James chapter 2, and it talks about how if two people show up to your meeting, one with fancy clothes, wearing some nice jewelry, and somebody else shows up who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes, the Bible says, treat them both the same. God doesn't value position like we seem to value position. These are worldly values, things that we can see, things that are all temporary. They are different. They are different than godly values. A little further down in 2 Timothy, Paul goes on to tell Timothy, he says this, he says, you, however, there's this, there's this, these, this phrase, you, however, some translations of the Bible say, but you, in other words, you're going to live differently. You're called to live differently. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. And he's listing off what are godly values. Living your life with purpose is a godly value where you have a sense of calling. You, you know that Jesus is out in front of you, and you know that he's going to work through your life for your good and for the good of others. It's, this is a, a, a godly value, living out your purpose in this life. Faith is another godly value. In fact, if you want to make your life about pleasing, pleasing God, Hebrews 11 says you can't even start to do that unless you first have what? Faith. Anybody that comes to God must believe that he is and that he exists. You have to have faith. The world, on the other hand, doesn't value faith. It values feelings. 
I'll follow God if I feel like following God. God's like, no, it's, it's about faith. And then there's love, love for Jesus, love for others. This might just be the, one of the, the greatest values in the kingdom of God. And if you notice on that list that we read earlier on, that, that really bad list of bad stuff, it starts off by actually saying that people will be lovers of what? Lovers of themselves. And pretty well everything on that list, you could say stems out of a love for self, where you elevate self to the highest level. Now, this is different than you're going, okay, I'm, I need to take care of myself, I need to exercise, I need to get some rest, all that kind of stuff. No, this is where self kind of, sh the, the gravity of your life shifts to, to self being in the middle. Not God, not other people, it, it is all you. And when that happens, it opens up the door to all kinds of garbage in your life. If you're all about you, if you value your comfort, your appearance, your time, your job, your career, your success more than others, you will end up becoming proud, ungrateful, unforgiving, disobedient. And in the world, self-interest comes first, but in God's kingdom, it's love for Him and love for others that comes first. You see how it's different? It's different than the world's values. Paul continues describing his way of life to Timothy. He says, you know all about my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Then he goes on to say persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. What? You know, I like hearing about purpose and faith and love and all that kind of stuff. Well, what's he talking about with persecutions? That's no fun. He keeps, he keeps going. He says, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. So what is all this about? Scripture seems to make a promise here that, that if we want to follow Jesus, we're going to be in for some hard times. It says that if anybody wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. And the Bible is telling us something here that's, that's really important that we have to catch. It's telling us here that godly values won't always lead to a life that is easy, safe, and comfortable. In fact, at some point in your life, it will lead to persecution. Some hardship is going to come your way. Values matter. And one of the reasons they matter is because they will influence your life every single day. Your values. Everybody in this room, maybe you don't even know what your values are, you, but you still have values. You have values. And those values will influence and shape your life every single, single day. Like a, you ever seen one of those big ships, they've got the rudder on the back, Right? And even though you can't see the rudder because it's under the water, that rudder is actually what determines what direction that ship is going. You can't see it, but it determines and steers the ship. Your values work the same way. You might not see them, but they have tremendous influence over your life. They will determine how you spend your time. They will determine how you spend your money. They will determine the people that you spend the most time with. Your values affect all of that. In short, the biggest influence they have is in the decisions that you make every moment of every single day. 
your values. They shape the decisions you make. Some of you are in this room today because you value your faith. You're going, okay, my faith matters. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be, be at church on Sundays. Others are here today because you value pleasing others. You're here because you want to make your spouse happy or you want to make your parents happy or it maybe has nothing to do with your faith, but, faith, but you just want to make that person happy. Your values, though, though, they have tremendous influence over how you decide to live your life. And if you want to make wise decisions, anybody in this room want to make wise decisions? If you want to make wise how you live your life to have the right values. You need to have godly values. You know, in order for Paul, so here's Paul. He's this guy that's had this tremendous impact on our faith, on the world. Here's this guy, Paul, and he lives out his purpose, and he has this, this impact in his life that he, he only had because he had godly values. If Paul, just think about this for a second, if Paul valued appearance, if he valued comfort, if he valued money above everything else, position, the moment that persecution came his way, he would, like, he would just tuck tail and ran back to his old life. He'd be like, okay, enough of this. I'm going back. I'm going back to a predictable job, a regular paycheck, the respect and admiration of my peers. Enough of all this stuff. But he didn't cave. Instead, he chose to do the right thing because his purpose mattered more than his paycheck. His faith mattered more than his feelings. His love for others mattered more than his love for his own comfort and safety. He had the right values. He had godly values in his life. And a big litmus test of how much you value what you say you value is how tightly you hold to those values in the face of hardship and persecution. How tightly do you hold to those values? So you say you value your faith. You say you value love for others. You say you value, you, you, you value these, the things of God. How much do you hold to those when persecution comes your way? When your friends snicker and joke about your faith as you're all sitting around the lunch table in your school, do you hold fast to that when persecution is coming your way? Or do you choose to value your friend's approval over God's approval and shirk those values off? What do you value? The world has one set of values. God's kingdom has a completely different set. And you and me, we are called to be what? We're called to be different. Now we read about what Paul suffered and what he told us we'd suffer for living a godly life. You know, it might, it might be tempting that moment to go, okay, well, why, why, what good does having godly values have if it just means we're gonna have persecution and suffer and it's gonna make life difficult? That's actually a good question to ask. It's a good question to ask. And I think a lot of people, they start following Jesus because they have this picture in their head that all of a sudden if they follow Jesus, and maybe someone sold, this, sold them on this picture, but they thought that if I just follow Jesus, my life is going to get easy. It's going to get comfortable. It's going to help me avoid pain. And, and they're not necessarily putting their faith and trust in him because he's God, because he's truth, he's worthy, he's good. They're following him not because of how they value him, they're following him because of how they value themselves. They value their own comfort more than him, and he's just kind of this tool to help them get to where they want to go in life. But that's not what following God is all about. It's not about that. And, and if it is about that for you, what will happen and what happens nearly every single time is 
persecution comes your way, hardship comes your way, suffering comes your way, and you're like, well, that didn't work. And they just throw in the towel on following, on following Jesus. And, and you know what happens when you throw the towel in on following Jesus because of maybe persecution or hardship? Well, you end up going back to something. And what you end up going back to is the list. The 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 3 list. When you, when you don't have your values anchored in God and who He is, His kingdom, when you, you don't, don't have godly values at the core of who you are, you have worldly values, you go back to the list. Let me read the list one more time. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love. Who wants to live their life without love? Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And in the end, you, you know what worldly values lead to? They actually, you could sum it up in one word. Leads to despair. Leads to despair. I came across this quote last week that describes this well. It went like this. Worldly values lead to despair because they're always changing. They're always changing. Generally self-centered, not others-centered, just generally self-centered. They lack solid footing. They lure you into endless striving. They provide no certainty. Rewards they promise don't satisfy. The rewards they promise, they just don't satisfy. You're always trying to get more money. You just don't ever seem to have quite enough. You just got to keep striving, keep striving, keep striving, keep striving. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If this is your value, you never have enough. You just keep going and going and going and going. Always striving to, to be prettier. Always want to feel better about yourself. But there's no certainty. And even if you achieve the thing that those values promise, you will find that they never satisfy like you thought that they would. They just don't satisfy. King Solomon, who had he had worldly values. He achieved the, the end of all those values. He was the richest person alive. He was the most handsome. The Bible even talks about how the queen, the queen of Sheba came and she caught her breath when she saw him. Good looking dude. He was the most famous. And yet when he had thought he achieved everything that he was after, the game changed. And he just wanted more. In fact, King Solomon actually had a phrase that he used to describe this lifestyle of worldly values at its core. He called it chasing after the wind. Chasing after the wind. Try chasing after the wind this afternoon. Just go down to Hovander. There's a big, big field there. You're going to feel it brushing this side of your face. Go run over there. You know how it's going to work. You're going to look like a complete idiot, right? Someone's going to call the police on you or something. You think you have it, but it's just empty. It's just empty. That's what happens when you make the world your your values. So how do we know what godly values are? How, how do we ensure, how do you and, you and I, so if our values, values, if godly values are different than worldly values, and maybe you're here, maybe you're listening online, you're going, okay, I want to make sure that I've got my life anchored on, world, on, not on worldly values, on godly values. How do I make sure that I do that? Well, you probably don't want to go to Twitter or to social media to try to figure out what godly values are. I got nothing against the Kardashians or Andrew Tate or any of these guys, but um, they have some good in them, but they'll mostly teach you what it looks like to have your life anchored in money, success, appearance, 
and getting what you want. There's actually a better place to go. Paul ends 2 Timothy 3 by telling us exactly where that place is. He says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you what? Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here's this, this, this very, very well-known, maybe the most well-known verse in the whole Bible describing Scripture. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God is the only one who has the authority and the wisdom to set the standards for how we should live our lives. Only God. And he says that that is done by grabbing a hold of his word and not just reading it, but applying it to our lives. This not only happens as, as we read it and put it into practice, but it also happens as we get people around us who are also reading it and who are living out the values that, that we, we read about in Scripture. They're making their lives about godly values. When you get around people like that, it rubs off on you, and you start to see what it looks like to make your life all about godly values. It's one of the reasons why in our church we go, okay, don't just show up on a Sunday, but actually get connected to people. Get in a small group. Get in a discipleship group. Get in one of our ministries. Show, students, show up on Sunday night at United. Get connected. Get people around you who are living godly values. And when you do that, it's, it's, it's going to be what Paul says here. He says to Timothy, you know those from whom you learned it. You, you see what it looks like. You've seen godly values lived out in your godly friends, your godly parents, your godly church family. And then he says, now go and put those, those values into practice. Hold fast to them. Live your life based on them. And in Scripture, is, it's this anchor in a world that is drifting. I mean, come on, we are drifting more and more and more and more. We, we, we live in a post-Christian society. This is not a Christian country anymore. It's, it's post-Christian. And, and in this, this world that we live in, values are going all over the place. All over the place. Scripture is this anchor that we, we hold tightly to in a world of drift. So, so what should you hold dearly to? What is the, the most important thing? Should I make family the biggest? Career the biggest? Money the biggest? The, the, should I make adventure maybe my biggest value in life? Maybe activism? Saving the world or saving the planet? No, when you anchor in Scripture, it, it's going to teach you. It's going to teach you. It's going to show you the right values and how you should live your life. And when you do that, the Bible says you will be ready for every good work. You will be ready as you anchor your life on God's word and on who he says and what he says is important in life. Where have your values, where have your values become entangled with the world's values? I'm just going to ask if we just, right across this room, I'm going to ask the worship team if you come, but if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes because I want you to have a moment right now with the Holy Spirit who is here in this room who loves you who is for you, who wants you to know life, who wants you to know what it's like to live a life of purpose. He wants you to know what it's like to live a life anchored in him. 
He is here right now in this moment, and he wants to speak to, to, to each one of you that are here. And so where is it that you have become entangled with the world's value system? Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now to, to show us. Speak to us, God, here in this room. Where, God, where have I become entangled with the world's value system? God, has, has my attention on money gotten to an unhealthy place? God, is this something that I value more than I even value my relationship with you? Have I made the pursuit of wealth way bigger in my life than it should be? Show us, Lord. God, where have we, where have we made our values? God, where have we gotten them all wrong? God, maybe for somebody else in this room, Lord, it's their appearance. They just have made their appearance. God, it's, it's become this, this thing that they're just pursuing and going after. God, everything in their life is just anchored on how they look, and it's what they think about all the time. Show us, Lord. Lord, maybe we've made good things, good things like family and friends. God, maybe we've made those values in our life, God, that are just at a place that's not healthy. God, it's, it's stopping us from following you in the way that you're asking us to. Lord, we've made family and friends bigger than we've, we've made you in our lives. Holy Spirit, come, convict, convict, speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. God, what are those things, God, that we've made more important than, than you? Lord, where are those areas where we've made worldly values our core rather than godly values? Show us, Jesus. I'm just gonna ask if you just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. You know, in the game of Twister, if you're... As the game kind of gets going on, you get all tangled up. The way to kind of reset the board is just everybody collapses. And then you all get off the board and start over again. But in God's kingdom, there's a way, when you've gotten your life off track, when you've started to live your life your way instead of God's way, when you've made your values, worldly values, the, the center of your life rather than godly values, there's, there's, there's a reset button, and it's called Repentance. Repentance where we just, we simply come before our Father in heaven, not out of shame, but he, he leads us to repentance, the Bible says. It's his loving kindness. And if, if in this moment you have this tug happening in your heart where God is showing you some stuff, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. It's Father God leading to repentance through his loving kindness. He doesn't shame you. He's just saying, hey, this is an area that you've gotten, gotten a little out of whack. And to get back on track, we, we do that through repentance. We say, Father in heaven, I have drifted. I've gotten off track in this area. Lord, I am coming back to you. Lord, I'm anchoring my life on your value system again. And so in this moment, I'm just gonna, we're just gonna stay here for just a minute longer. And I just want you just quietly, just in your heart, in this moment, just let God, let him know that. Lord, I've gotten off in this area. God, I repent of that. I repent of that.
Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, that God, even right now in this moment, God, this morning, God, you are, you, God, I, I just have that picture, Lord, like you're untangling this tangled mess of a twister board. God, you're untangling students. God, you're untangling men and women, God, who have had their lives just tangled up in the world's value system. Lord, you're doing that right now in this moment. I thank you for that. And Lord, I pray that God, as we walk out of this building today, that God, it would be, it would be a new day for us. God, a value is, is something that you treasure. And God, I pray, Lord, that as we walk out of here, that Jesus, you would be our greatest treasure. That Jesus, you would be seated on the throne. That God, we would, we would see you as being more value of more worth than the greatest wealth, diamonds, gold, more value, worth than all, our, our friends' approval. God, that that, that spot that we're, we're shooting for in our career, God, may you be of more value and worth to us than anything else. Let that be the case for all of us, I pray. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, that as we go throughout our, our day, and God, as the world's values, God, are all around us, I pray, God, that you would help us to stay anchored in your word, help us to stay anchored in, in what you say is important, what you say matters. God, help us to stay anchored in that, just like that firm foundation, God, that we sang about earlier. May we stand firm on values that are anchored in you and in your kingdom. I pray all these things. And everybody said... Amen, 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 amen. Awesome. Awesome. So good. We're going we're gonna to sing one more song as we leave today. And, and I just encourage you, you know, if God is really speaking to you about something, it might be good to actually tell somebody that, maybe somebody that you came with. Um, I'm always hanging out here for a while after, after service on Sundays. You can always come and say, hey, Rich, I just want someone to know this has been a value, but I repented of that. And I'm, I'm making a change today. It's good to actually speak that out loud and set, let somebody know. But um, as we sing this last song, um, we're actually going to have some buckets going down the row. Our ushers are going to come, and we're going to give you a chance to worship God with your giving this morning. And also give you a chance to worship God one more time with singing. So why don't you stand with us, and let's sing this song out as we head into our week. God bless.